We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are three years and 29 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? How was your Easter? Um, well, healthy and alive. Um, great Passover. Nothing fancy, just, you know, observing the day and also busy that day as well uh, with that work, we'll say. Not really work, but, you know work well you can never actually get away from it these days it seems like you know i've i was taking a break i'm doing the air quotes taking a break all weekend i stopped yeah. in for for a little bit of conversation on what was it was it saturday was it yesterday yeah was it yesterday mm. no Dave. i don't know what what the hell what what day yeah, it was saturday <laughs> saturday I, I yeah. was completely gone on sunday i wasn't yeah i, I was not around I, on sunday yeah well i took the day on sunday to uh do some reading and some research and we were discussing some of that in prep and oh boy oh boy oh boy do we have a problem i don't even know where to begin with that but this is this is part of our two-week hiatus that we've got coming next week that will give us some time to research and to collaborate on some things uh, I'm not going to say too much yet, but based on what we found thus far, we are in a serious, serious amount of trouble. And the the worst part is no one, no one is even paying attention to it. I feel like we're we're kind of we're, we're in like the, the lifeboat and we're kind of like telling everybody that's on the ship that's, you know, the Titanic. Hey, you might want to get on some lifeboats and, and get out of there. And no one's getting on a lifeboat. They're just kind of hanging out on the ship, listening to the music play. And that's about it. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot more research to do, but uh, that's going to be coming up uh, in the uh, the coming two weeks. So this will be our final week uh, for two weeks, and then we'll be back the first week of May. Uh, but we will still do a few podcasts in between just to kind of keep up appearances. And we have some uh, some guests coming on for, for those two or three podcasts that we will be doing. So uh, be looking forward to that. So anyhow... Um, on to the events of the day. Not a whole lot today because of the uh, the holiday weekend, and it's it's just it's not a very uh, it's it's not a very uplifting time in the news. The only thing that I see happening right now is the um, the Taiwan thing, which we can discuss. That we can actually start with that. Uh, I've got something on tech. We can discuss that and uh, possibly a couple other things if, if something happens between now and the time that we uh, that we finish. But anyhow, uh, China has started off on some war games around the uh, the island nation 
of Taiwan. Oh, yes, I said the island nation. I don't take the uh, the official White House talking point of, well, we agree with the one China policy. No. As a matter of fact, they're taking that line as we speak today. That's exactly what the Chinese are going to use. Oh, you think the Chinese are actually going to attack Taiwan like Senator Lindsey Graham? Oh, you're not going to believe what he said. You think they're going to actually attack Taiwan? I don't think they're going to. Now, I could be mistaken, but I don't think that I am. It's not in the Chinese interest to attack Taiwan. Why would they? You know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. But to me, if you look at the Chinese strategy, if you look at the, the, the strategies that they follow of General Sun Tzu, who wrote The Art of War, which, by the way, that's older than the Christian Bible, I might add. They're following this strategy. They're following this tactic. And the Russians do just nearly about the same, to be honest. But the Chinese, they don't need to attack Taiwan. They don't have to do that. All they have to do is blockade it and hold the blockade. They just need to neutralize it. They just need to tie it up. That's all they need to do. They blockade them into surrender. Kind of like what Hitler never figured out, thank God, with the British. If he would have devoted all of the resources and all of the logistics into shipbuilding, all he had to do was blockade the British into surrender. Thank God he never figured that out. But the Chinese, I think, they're, I think they've learned from that, to be honest, in this regard. Are they going to... Uh, let, let's, let's kind of play with that scenario a bit. Let's say they okay. do blockade it. Are they seriously going to sink merchant ships for going in... And delivering supplies. Do you think they legitimately will do that? Or are they just going to try to board them and physically force them to turn around I, or I arrest think, the crew? I think at first it would be that. It would be the um, it would be the Iran approach, if you will. Uh, they'll board the ship and they'll take the crew back to China with the best of accommodations that they can offer as their honored guests for an extended period of time. Because never forget... We actually have Americans in Chinese labor camps already that Biden will not negotiate for. And Trump, to a great degree, didn't do it either. But the Chinese weren't really offering much in, the, in terms of an exchange when it came to negotiating for some of those Americans. Oh, yes, they're holding Americans over there. Make no mistake about that. That's the kind of the, the unwritten secret that the media doesn't like to talk about because they're not actually the media. Yeah. So I could see them boarding ships in the beginning. If they do the blockade, I could see them boarding ships. I could see them commandeering ships and taking the crew and loading, offloading the crew back onto the mainland. I could see that. I don't see them sinking it because I think the materials that would be on board would be too valuable to them uh, in that in that sense. Uh, but then, but if push comes to shove, I believe in the end they'll start sinking them. Yes, but the Chinese they need to finish up this little um, this little debacle with the Russians in Ukraine. That's got to end somehow or another, one way or another. That has got to come to an end because the Chinese cannot move. They're stuck at the moment. They were hoping to move on Taiwan already. The plans were already made to move on Taiwan, but they haven't been able to because the Russians have been tied up in Ukraine. Now, I don't think that's because of the West and what they've done in order to <clears throat> prevent that. Again, air quotes, prevent that. But the Chinese can't go. They, they, have to, they have to neutralize Taiwan first, but they can't go without the Russians. They need the Russians in order to do this. It's not going to work any other way. Their eventual goal for anybody that's wondering that doesn't know already, their eventual goal, as in Russia and China, their eventual goal is to go to the U.S. 
That is their eventual goal. But we were not expecting that just based on movements, based on the timetables, based on all the military strategists, leaked documents, defectors, and everything else that we've been able to ascertain. We weren't expecting that until 2035. Whatever has happened behind the scenes, which we're not purview to, has forced them to go early. The good news is, is that historically, Russia and China are not very good at the military game, as in logistics, supply, strategy, tactics, all the rest of it. They're just not that good at it. Air superiority, they still don't have. They also run the problem of once you get to America, you have to set up logistics and supply lines and you have to be able to hold it. That's another problem. Now, I don't know what the inner workings of that would be, but I can't imagine with their um, past experiences and their past historical military records, I can't imagine that they're going to be able to run successful supply lines and logistical runs within the continental United States once they make it there. This is a whole long conversation that we could have about uh, strategy and tactics and and all that stuff and land invasions and everything else, we could have that discussion. But in the interest of time, uh, we're not going to. And quite frankly, I'd like to have Marty in on that conversation. But that is their eventual goal. Now, my guess is, is that whatever has forced them to go early, I think they now have a window, as in China and Russia. They have a window between now and 2027 to make a move. But that's too early, as in timetable-wise. Logistically, they're not ready yet. But everything that's happening, the prelude to this, the, the build-up and the lead-up to this, everything that's happening now geopolitically and, and strategically and economically, everything is pointing to them actually moving, as in Russia and China actually moving. They have to militarily move now, but I don't see how they're going to be able to maintain it up to this point. Now, if you have Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran, which they already have a military alliance between them publicly, if you have these countries and they all simultaneously lead an attack against the U.S., I don't think the U.S. can do anything about it. But I don't see those I don't see those forces coming together. You would have to have, if China were to do this, you would have to have the North invading the South in the Koreas. And it wouldn't be what people think it is, where you're just lobbing nuclear bombs into uh, into Seoul. That's not what it would be. It would just be enough to invade them and tie them up. Again, you neutralize a target. You don't destroy it. That's all they need to do here. Same thing with the Chinese in Taiwan. You don't need to destroy it. As a matter of fact, what we should do if the Chinese were to invade Taiwan, what we should be doing is leveling those microchip manufacturers. That's what we should be doing, as in leveling them, nothing left to prevent them from falling into Chinese Communist Party hands. But we're probably not going to do that because whatever's in those factories, China needs. They need those for the future. Uh, you know, barring some kind of a new discovery of some type of new mineral that would replace microchips, we actually need those factories that are there and the Chinese need them too. We would have to strategically, we would have to destroy them. Now, I do know that we saw a couple of years ago, it was about two years ago now, we saw that Intel, chip manufacturer Intel, they were building a $17 billion manufacturing plant in Germany. That was a story for about three hours, and then it disappeared. When we saw that, we said, they're going to let Taiwan go. As soon as we saw that, there's also a $2 billion microchip factory that's being built in the United States right now through private investors. And they are looking to do contracts through DOD and private government stuff, as well as consumer products. So that's good news. But the problem is, is that you just can't spin these things up overnight. It takes time. 
So now it's a race as to who can get these things up and running before that happens. So as I said, there's a timetable here. And whatever has happened behind the scenes that we don't know, we're just speculating. Whatever has happened behind the scenes, it's forced them to go early. And when you go early in things like this, you make mistakes. Historically, you make big mistakes. So I, I don't know. I, I don't see, I, I, going back to the original point, I don't see the Chinese attacking Taiwan. I see them blockading it. It makes more sense to do that from their standpoint. What do you think, Bruce? So as you said, they need some of the manufacturing stuff there. That would be to attack it. Um, there would be a risk because Taiwan isn't that big necessarily. So attacking an island like that, you may end up hitting some of the critical infrastructure you need or want. So yeah, a blockade would would seem more logical in this uh, in this sense. And honestly, uh, the way our administration is right now, um, even if it were, even if this is just a blockade, uh, we're going to get drawn into another conflict because of the way this administration is. I don't think we'll actually stop them, mind you, but we'll we'll start sending more supplies and weapons and all that kind of stuff over to. Uh, Taiwan, if Taiwan lasts that long, to send supplies to. Not that we have supplies to send them, mind you, but uh, I, I feel like that's something that's going to end up happening. I don't know. I'm I'm so torn on w what the admin will do in response to this. Uh, as you said, they want to hit us on the home front, and I don't I don't foresee that for quite a while. But we we it, did discuss. Depend. We did discuss, though, the possible preemptive strike, as in it could it could benefit them if, for example, you take these these balloons that were coming over, if they were to do an EMP, which that's what we speculated anyway. As soon as we saw those things, we said, OK, this is a this is a test run for an EMP. And I'm not talking about one that would knock out the entirety of the United States. You don't have to do that. Just enough mm -hmm. to knock out two or three major cities on the west end of the U.S. That would be enough to cause enough havoc and enough chaos or or yeah. you detonate one over New York, you know, in a limited scope, that would be enough mm -hmm. to cause havoc across the country within hours. I don't think they'll yet do that either. And, and the, the reason I say that every time we've seen war before, it's always began with economic stuff, right? There's always economic turmoil or what have you. So I think what what China will end up doing first, we'll, we'll see the Taiwan thing happen first. I, I think that's going to happen first. Depending on how that goes, will determine and how our response is to that, that'll determine their next steps. And I think the next step that they're going to do uh, is probably dump the dollar. They're, they're going to uh, work with their uh, coalition to dump the dollar and try to do as much economic hurt uh, to America as possible, really the West in general. Then they'll move into doing something uh, more physical, like uh, whether it's an EMP or, or hitting us. Um, with uh, a hypersonic and knocking out, uh, you know, the some of the various power grid locations, it, it, it's very possible. Hell, they could even hit one of our nuclear reactors, for that matter, and that would cause enough uproar and turmoil. But I think there's, I think there's, Taiwan is definitely going to happen first. Uh, you're also seeing some upheaval in the Middle East right now uh, with Israel and, you know, some of the uh, Muslim countries around there like uh, Iran. Uh, so I, I think you'll see some some of that kicking off. We'll kind of we got so many irons in the fire on sending ammunition, weapons and everything that uh, I'm, I'm legitimately concerned. Are we going to have enough supplies to supply our own when something like. Uh, China or Russia invades. That's that's where I'm concerned. Is they're they're 
causing these proxy wars to happen. We're, we're, we're sending all of our supplies over there. But then when it comes time to they're coming at us, we don't have nothing left. I think that's part of the idea as well is to, uh, you know, buy the, the ones that are in the positions of power that are fighting the Russians and are ready to take on the Chinese. I don't think they're doing that at all. They're not fighting the Russians in Ukraine or, or anywhere else any more than they were fighting COVID on our behalf, which if they're not doing that, then that means that they have another agenda, doesn't it? Now, again, I'm not going to get too deep into that. But on your point, somebody that was critical in the days leading up to the problems in Ukraine fighting Russia was Senator Lindsey Graham. This guy at the current time, apart from maybe Mitch McConnell, you can't pick a better face for a rhino in America, as in a Republican and name only rhino, you can't pick a better guy to be a rhino than Senator Lindsey Graham. Possibly Mitt Romney would be a close second. That would be a close second. And then, of course, Mitch, you know, cocaine Mitch himself, which I don't even think I would consider Mitch McConnell. I'll go a step further with Mitch McConnell. I don't consider Mitch McConnell an American. I'll go that far with it. The guy earns $25 million a year from the Chinese Communist Party. That's not an American by any standard. I'm sorry. It's just not. You're taking money from a from a foreign enemy, from an adversary, and you're you're over the US Senate? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Senator Lindsey Graham was speaking at the Vision 2024 National Conservative Forum. Lindsey Graham a conservative? Really? This guy makes Marjorie Taylor Greene look like a conservative. And I don't think she's a conservative at all. Lindsey Graham says that he would support sending American troops to Taiwan. Bruce, back to your point. Should we send American troops to Taiwan like the good senator here is suggesting? No. Correction. We should send American troops over there to do as much as you were suggesting and detonating those chip manufacturing because uh, our, our DOD does dealings with that and we don't want some of those classified tech to fall in the hands of China. So in in that we send troops over there to do that, I think that's the 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 limits that it should be. But actually sending troops on the ground, you're you're gonna stop doing a proxy war, which by the way, the proxy war stuff is really infuriating because back in the day when we did proxy wars, we hit it. We didn't we didn't announce to the entire world, hey, we're 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 sending over arms to a foreign country to fight another foreign country. We 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 never we never said that. It used to be we would quietly, you know, buy weapons that weren't American and then give it to them to, to, to hide our affiliation. So to the Lindsey Graham thing, it almost sounds like our current administration is doing their own work to to um, destroy America, to tear it down. Wait until you hear what the good senator had to say here. The United States should aggressively train Taiwanese forces so that they can fight like Ukrainians. We need to send F-16 jets to the island, install nuclear-tipped missiles in its submarines, and dispatch American troops to defend the nation. He also went on to say that Congress needs to ask itself, quote, should we have a defense agreement with the island of Taiwan? We don't. But yes... I'd be very much open to using U.S. forces to defend Taiwan because it's in our national security interest to do so. In the regards of the microchip industry, I will agree. Yeah, microchips. But again, like we're we're moving to manufacture that here on the home front. So and our allies. I'm yeah. I'm 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 not for going in and just blowing up uh, a foreign country's um, means of manufacturing. But if it's China that's coming in to take some stuff that is of top secret 
you know, it, it is a national security risk for our country. Yeah, I believe we should um, remove that risk. But to send troops over there to nuke, to give them nuclear weapons, I thought that's something we didn't do was make countries nuclear powers. We just use them as a, a means to store our own hardware, not theirs, not not give them ours. So I have a problem with that. Uh, we, we don't need more nuclear powers in the world. No, I'm, I'm sorry. If I if I I would be a draft dodger. Let me put it that way. If if this were the case and, and we, we were to send troops over there. No, not going. No, I'm not dying. It, 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 no. You out of your mind? No, no, it's not going to happen. No, absolutely not. Mm. Especially not knowing what we know now. Are you kidding me? No, no, especially. no, no, no. Especially now. Graham went on to say. The Communist Chinese Party is going to test us dramatically this year and next year before the election. That's almost like he's he's telegraphing almost. Yeah, just a little bit. Mm. He said in 1961, the Russians tried to isolate West Berlin. That is true. As a matter of fact, I'm reading about that exact situation right now, that exact situation from that exact time. So I'm fearful that the Chinese may be setting conditions to blockade Taiwan in the coming months or weeks. And we need to respond forcefully if they do that. I do agree with the senator that, yes, they are looking to blockade. And I believe they're actually behind the ball on that. They were ready to move before Christmas last year, I think, because that was the that was the timetable that we heard uh, from the smuggled conversation that was coming out uh, from. I'm trying to think where it was. Shenzhou province, I think, was where it came from. But it, I, I could be mistaken on that. But the people that smuggled that recording out, I think most of them have been assassinated and or have gone missing since then. So when you have this, the CCP start off and people like that, then you know that something's probably afoot. But then, of course, they had to change up after that happened. So, yeah, I, I do see I do see where the senator is correct on or at least in his assessment on the blockade, because I believe that's what they're intending to do. But as far as a need to respond forcefully, if they do that now, you can look at this one of two ways. In my opinion, you can look at this one of two ways. I don't agree simply on the basis because of who's pushing this. Senator Lindsey Graham. I don't like this guy. I never have. This guy has been a hallmark at getting us involved in conflict after conflict after conflict within my lifetime around the world, and I don't like it. On the other hand, I understand, and this is one thing that Trump did before he left office, and no one's talking about it, he declassified a treaty, a secret treaty, that we had between the Japanese, the Taiwanese, the Australians, and the Americans. And that was, we were all to form a coalition to defend Taiwan against China for the next 30 years, until 2050. China was not supposed to go into Hong Kong until 2050. They broke the deal. They're breaking the deal with Taiwan right now. So you can look at that one of two ways. I'm not saying that we should have armed conflict, as the senator here is suggesting, but at the same time, we were bound by a secret treaty with the Australians and the Japanese to do so, if China made a move that they weren't supposed to make. So you be the judge. You decide. In the meantime... Pentagon officials are publicly admitting what you're concerned about, Bruce. They're realizing that, um, you know, um, we have a problem with our munitions stockpiles. They don't know where they've all gone. They don't know what the problem is. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, reports of a munitions shortage have increased following rapid withdrawals from American arsenals to supply the war in Ukraine. It's almost like they did it on purpose. 
would you have imagined? It's it's almost like they did it on purpose. Defense leaders in a testimony before Congress, uh, they they say they're a little concerned uh, because they, yeah, this is um, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, Milley. He's he's concerned. You see, he's very concerned. He said, "I'm concerned. I know the Secretary is. We've got a ways to go to make sure our stockpiles are prepared for the real contingencies." So you see, Bruce, he's he's concerned. Yeah, I'm. Uh, mm-hmm. When when you mention him, Milley, I don't. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Well, this other guy, uh, Admiral Mike uh, Gilday from uh, he's the chief of naval operations. He was sitting in front of uh, Congress in the same pa- uh, panel with uh, Milley and, and Lloyd Austin, Defense Secretary Austin. Admiral Gilday says the following. I think the biggest thing we learned was the expenditure rates. It caused us to go back and to take a look at our own wargaming and analysis, what our predicted expenditure rates would be and the questions and assumptions that were made. We do manufacture our own ammunition. Yes. As far as I know, if we get that from China, of uh, dear dear lord. Yeah. That that's that's what I'm wondering is I'm I'm pretty sure most of it's manufactured here. It has to be because that's that's of national security risk if it's not. They don't so, care though. If you look no, at if true. you look at this in in another respect, let's look at it in terms of another piece of critical infrastructure that is of national security interest as well. Our electrical grid in America. Okay, let's look at that. If we were to lose one of our substations or one of our big hubs or, or what I, I don't know the, the actual name for it, but if we were to lose one of these places in the eastern part of the U.S., you would see a blackout on the East Coast that would last between, I want to say it's between 48 hours and two weeks, depending on how quickly they could get that transformer, that main transformer replaced to put the grid back into place. Now, we keep one in reserve in America, because it takes almost three years to manufacture one. We keep one in reserve in case there's a problem. Guess where the replacements come from? Our enemies. China. So is our ammunition being manufactured in China? I'm just asking. Or the the thing is, is not just China. If this is, if our ammunition is made out of country, period, I have an issue with it. I, I, I don't care if it's just, you know, well, I was going to say, I don't care if it's even, uh, you know, just just Mexico, but we all know Mexico, that whole with the cartel and everything, it's become even more militant down there uh, along the border. So, I mean, there's stories of more people being kidnapped or killed by the cartels that are American citizens used to be they they didn't mess with Americans unless it was an American that was getting involved in like they were involved with, you know, the drugs trade or something like that already. And it was like a. Uh, you know, a gang dispute, if you will. Now, though, yeah. But anyway, that's that's a that's that's a side project or a side note. Going back to the whole ammunition thing and and manufacturing, that's something else that we need to make sure that is on on the home front. Uh, I, let me let me specify as well. Even if our ammunition is made by our allies, as an example, Germans do great engineering. I still don't want Germans making our ammunition, nor do I want the French or the, the British or any of them. Not because I don't, uh, because, well, actually, yeah, because I don't trust them, because we have to be self-sufficient. It's not like I'm I'm expecting, a, you know, the another German Reich to, to start up. I'm just saying that you can stop the, am, the, the flow of ammunition. If, let, let's say we get into a war uh, uh, on the home front, right? And China, do, China and Russia do attack us. How are you going to get resupplied with ammunition? They can blockade. They can sink those uh, shipments or shoot them down. So I, I would rather it made on the home front. We actually just, it, I'm sure you already know this, but we actually share ammunition between allied nations. You know? Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. NATO uses all the same yeah. type. Yeah. So all of our munitions in all of our countries use exactly the same. So we share and share alike. <laughs> That's what we do. So no, I, I get your point. I, I do get your point. And uh, to be fair, looking at this just in the scope of, say, five years, you know, I put a date, you know, what I believe at, at the current time, based on their movements, I believe that they've got to make a move sometime between now and 2027. Because I'm looking at the fact of somehow, I, I don't know how, but somehow, let's just assume for the sake of argument, because we have to consider all options here. Let's assume for the sake of argument that you don't have another Joe Biden election theft. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Let's just assume that you don't have that. And let's assume that somehow all of these illegal drop boxes and all these voting machines and all these mail-in votings and all these early votings, let's just assume that all of that somehow miraculously just disappears. And Donald Trump wins. He needs a period of at least two years to rebuild the military. You need two years. And that is, you've got to get rid of these guys like Millie, you got to get rid of Austin, you got to get rid of all these jokers, all these people have to go. These are these are not even combat vets, if you didn't know, that are that are running the military. These are these are politicians. So all these guys have got to go. And then you're going to have to start rebuilding our troops. You got to get rid of all this wokeness garbage, all this all this crap has to go. Everything, all this stuff's got to get flushed out of the system. Then you can rebuild it. Again, I'm assuming that it, I'm just basing this on that scenario, not saying that's going to happen, but I'm laying it out as a possibility. You need two years to rebuild just for defensive purposes. That's it. Just for defensive purposes against Russia and China, which gives them, because they've moved now, because you've you've jumped the shark or whatever you want to call it, whatever analogy you want to use, because you forced them into making a military move against you now, they have to move now. They're committed to that. They will not have another shot at this. So they're going to have to move and they're going to have to move within a certain period of time. So that in order to do that, in order for them to get to the United States and Canada, they are going to have to lock down the Pacific. They're going to have to. They cannot get there without it. And probably Hawaii. I mean, that would be a good idea to have yes. control of that as a kind of a, you know, midpoint, if yes. you will. And then, of course, um, you're going to have to deal with and you're going to have to deal with the Japanese as well. They're going to have to deal with the Japanese. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be a feat uh, in and of itself. There's no actual natural resources there in Japan that you want as China. No. And there's not really much land for you to take over. So scorched earth policy may be yes. an option for them uh, for when them, it comes yes. to uh, Japan. You know, let, let, let's assume that it's going to take two years. Let, let, let's assume that that is accurate. I'm going to argue it's going to be even longer. We had the poison jab. It's injured a bunch of people. The, the coming generations, we don't know what the poison jab did to them or is doing to upcoming generations. So your new recruits, that may be hampered. You've got the transgenderification of everything that's going to make it even more difficult to get men into the military. And uh, not only that, uh, the, the ones that were in the military that were then kicked out, um, some of them are going to become too old to, to go back in, you know, uh, into active duty, at least. I don't I don't know. God, just having a if this were if this were something that was like 50 years ago or something like that, and China was looking at coming in and attacking the U.S., I, I would be like, hands down, they're going to get their tail whooped. Now, um, I'm kind of like seeing the, the kind of uh, also, be, male specimen be, that we present yes, nowadays. Yes, there is that. Be, be, be mindful. I'm also anticipating, because of history and because of trends, I'm also anticipating that we will see advances in modern warfare. So you're going to need less and True. less 
troops on the battlefield, you know, for conventional warfare, because I believe we're, we're moving into an era where we don't need as many. China already has uh, what, what's known as, um, uh, what, what is it, the, the, the drone clusters or the drone? The swarms. They literally yeah. have, yeah, swarms. They have, they literally have, you know, the, the classic uh, missile systems that we've seen, like the Russians had the, the, God, I forget what the designation of it was, but the old, the, the trucks that basically just had a bunch of pipes on it to shoot rockets, you know, uh, a good distance. Yeah, they, China has those kind of trucks, but for drones. And they can just mass swarm of drones and hit targets with, you know, you don't need big explosives with that. If you hit a civilian populace with that, or uh, you had them rigged with with um, a firearm for that matter, which is uh, we have companies actually doing that today. Um, you could go around and um, wreak havoc with drones and you wouldn't be able to really fight back. The The only the only way you could really fight back against that is um, if they're using some kind of radio frequency to control the drones, then you could jam that. But nowadays you can program all of that into the drone and they can fly and do their own mission. And with AI the way it is, you can feed it imagery, topographic maps, all that kind of stuff, and it can it can identify the location just based on uh, image, you know, from from a camera and hit targets that way, and with probably way more precision than what a human could do because of um, you know its ability to identify patterns. I don't know how to jam those ones. That that kind, I don't know how to jam. Um, my limited under knowledge of what our military weapons are. So yeah, this is. If they chose to attack us, it would not be necessarily boots on the ground right away. It would be wreaking a lot of havoc with a lot of technology. For that matter, we're technically already at war with China, technically, uh, because and Russia. Because if you look at what they're doing to uh, like our banks, our power grid, our like they're actively attacking us, our food, that kind of stuff, or just drugs. buying up land, you know, drugs. Yeah, immigration. So you, you, we're we're already there. It's just we're not seeing like a it's more of an espionage type than a uh, army. This entire agenda that we're seeing unfolding in all of our countries, the climate change, the BLM movements, the transgender madness, whatever this this wokeness crap, all of this stuff, the uncontrolled free flow of I don't even want to call them economic migrants, I illegal aliens coming from parts unknown into all of our countries. I know it's not a politically correct to say that, but damn the political correctness. I don't take corporate dollars. I'm sorry. I'll say what I like. So all of these things, the drugs that get pushed into not just America, we have the worst case of it. And it was especially rich when you got the Mexican president last week saying, oh, China, would you please help us with the, uh, the, the fentanyl that's going into America? OK, why don't you ask them where it's coming from first? Because I can tell you it's coming right from them. I think they knew that to begin with. Of course they do. Yeah, of course they do. So all of this, all of these things, all, all of these these actions that are being taken and pushed onto Western nations, these are revolutionary tactics that we are not paying attention to. Well, at least some of us are. But those people that are at the policymaking level, they could care less. They could really care less. I, now, I don't know what it is that they're doing, but the more I look at the policy level institutions, the more I think, you know what? You're not in there because you're intelligent. You're in there because you're indoctrinated. That's why you're in there. So I don't stand with these block countries in opposing my system, even though that's what it sounds like I just did. No, 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 no. I'm opposed to the incompetence 
to the illegitimacy of the people that occupy those offices. That's what I'm opposed to. I want those people that don't belong in there, out of there. The people that have ignored reality, the people that are complacent, the people that are complicit, I want them out. I don't want the system replaced. I don't want the system changed. I don't want the system rebuilt. I want the system restored is what I want. I want the system to work as it's intended, as it's originally founded upon. That's what I want. That's what all of us in all of our countries should want, as we call ourselves conservatives. That's what we're conserving. That's the point. So I'm not an anti. I, I'm not a, a an anti this, an anti that, a, a get rid of this system, get rid of that system. No, 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 no. I want a restoration of our founding principles, as I've said before. And I'm sounding like a broken record here because I keep saying it over and over again. But that point needs to be emphasized. We have so much anti this or or hatred of that or or we've got to get rid of this or we've got to get rid of that. or And I, I believe that some departments have to be eliminated. Don't misunderstand. But that doesn't mean you abandon the entire system. That doesn't mean we throw out our so-called liberal democracies. That doesn't mean you throw them out. That means we restore them to what they're originally intended to do, which is work for us, not against us. Just like these people that say, oh, well, we're fighting the Russians. No, you're not. I don't believe that for a second. You're not fighting the Russians any more than you were fighting COVID. They were not fighting COVID during COVID. Do you understand? They were fighting us. They were fighting we the people. If you had the Russian government or if you had the Chinese government in charge of our governments during COVID, they would not have done anything differently. Keep that in mind. I would add to that. I, I think China would go a step further and they would have done what Australia did. Okay. Yeah. But again, we see the heavy influence in, in Australia and yeah. in Canada. You want to know why you've yeah. got the uh, the illegitimate bastard son of Castro running that country and making those decisions? It's because he's wholly owned lock, stock, and two smoking barrels from the Chinese Communist Party. That's why. That guy needs to go, along with that disgusting deputy PM, whatever the hell she is, that, that literal granddaughter of a Nazi. She's got to go. I do have one more thing. And this one should be an easy one for people to jump on board with uh, because it has to do with food. It's been approved here in the United States to use mRNA jabs for vaccinating animals. And in England. Um, and in England, yes. So what I would recommend the listener to do is talk to your local reps to have that banned in your state. Uh, to have those things banned. Um, we, don't, we do not know what the long-term ramifications of using this tech is, nor do we know what happens when you consume meat that's been injected by this. Uh, so um, we need to be outspoken on this one because uh, this may, you know, we're talking about we, the, the kind of mail, um, the type of males that we're, we're producing nowadays, this would be even worse. This could be even worse. You might, you might have a, a dying off of like, well, Mostly males, because uh, let's be honest, uh, it was something like uh, in, in the 80 percentile range of of uh, you getting myocarditis if you're a male and getting a jab. Same thing with these mRNA shots. It's the same problem across the board. So I would just suggest go talk to your governor, your state reps, those guys. Let's get this banned. I agree with you on that. And you need to go a step further with it because they will skate it. You, you need to be careful on on the wordage of this as a concerned citizen. It needs to be, we want the use of it and the importation of it banned 
in our state. Sometimes they will circumvent. They'll yes. say, okay, well, it's banned here. We can't use it here, but they'll import it from somewhere else. They'll import that it. has yeah. to be stopped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, we have to get this. Basically, we want this meat not to be on our shelves. Uh, so just make it clear that your state will not neither produce nor consume meat that has been injected by mRNA jabs. Hell, for that matter, you might go a step further and say, and meat that's uh, been synthesized because they're going to use the same mRNA tech to uh, create synthetic meat. So maybe, maybe in the future one day, this tech will be safe to use, but that's not today. No, and I believe we're probably, I'd say a good half century away from that at the moment, to be fair. That's just my best guess based on it. With the way, I, I can agree with that because the, the way our system functions right now, uh, like the, the businesses and everything, yeah, you're, you're probably right because this is a cash cow. Uh, they're not looking to uh, research a better way to manufacture the stuff, a, a safer way to manufacture the stuff. Um, maybe one day it'll be safe, but uh, this early phase, this is the, we're, we're in the early phases, like uh, you, you see in like Star Trek or something like that, to where they're looking back in past going, man, you guys are bar barbarians. We're in that barbarian phase right now. <laughs> Indeed we are. All right, we're going to go ahead and call this one done. Bruce, I'd like to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great evening, and we will see you tomorrow.